overcoming evil is what I want to talk to you today about. Uh, Psalms 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful psalm, amen? Probably one of my favorite in all of the book of Psalms. And in the middle of that verse is that, in the middle of that passage is that verse 4 that says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I probably am not alone in the acknowledging that evil exists in this world, doesn't it? Uh, it just takes a quick glance at the evening news to know evil exists. It exists. There are some that deny that. Some of them say evil is just an illusion, that it's not real, that it is just in our minds. But evil exists. I'm probably not the only one that saw clips this last week or videos of a pilot being burned to death. And I'll tell you, the images of that just messed with my head all week long. It was one of those things that even if you didn't see the video, if you just saw the images, you saw it and then you were wishing all week long you hadn't seen it, right? Evil exists. And really, we've seen a lot of it, haven't we? We've seen a lot of it. Uh, And it goes further back than this. But on 9-11, we don't see those clips very often anymore, but I was in a the movie with Kathy just in the last several weeks, and there was a scene that showed the trade centers being hit. And the movie itself was an emotional movie, and, uh, but that particular scene stood out, and it was just not even really part of the main thrust of the movie. It wasn't what the movie was about. But seeing the image of the trade center hit and people falling from the skies, and uh, all it just, I sat in the theater and tears began to well in my eyes. Evil exists. It exists all around us. And then we see things like Christian children we read of that are being beheaded uh, by radical Islamists. Unlike the president, I can say that word. But being beheaded, and we know that evil exists. In Sunday school, we talked about idolatry, and we talked about false gods. And really, that is at the heart of evil, isn't it? These false gods. And so we've seen things like that. We've saw folks martyred. For their faith in Christ. We've seen school shootings, even on our own soil here. And that is evil, isn't it? When someone can go in and kill kindergartners or first graders and kill them in mass numbers, that is just sheer evil. And we might say, well, these people were mentally deranged, these people had issues, and and they perhaps did. But make no mistake, evil was a part of this. That Satan was pulling strings. Satan was doing his thing amongst us. Just a few years ago, the ladies were having Bible study, and I had come home, and I was at the house. I flipped on the television real quick, and uh, the Boston Marathon was coming to a close. And you remember there's a bomb exploded, and we know evil exists, doesn't it? All around us. But evil exists beyond what we see in the news today, doesn't it? 
In fact, I think sometimes we like to point our finger at things that don't involve us and call those things evil. But really in America, we must admit that evil exists on our soil too. In 2011, this was the most recent statistic I could come with. And, but in 2011, an estimated 14,610 people were victims of homicide in the United States. And that's according to FBI data on homicides known by the state and local law enforcement. Probably more than that. But those are the ones that were actually made it to the statistics. In America, 1.2 million abortions happened in America last year. That's 3,332 babies killed per day in the last year. Evil exists, folks. 50 million legal abortions since Roe v. Wade in 1973. 50 million of all that the terrorists could ever wipe out for us to not acknowledge what we've done on our soil is a mistake. It's a mistake. Evil exists. Approximately 1.8 million adolescents in the United States have been victims of sexual assault. Our children. Evil exists. Some of you that are probably my age and older, you remember growing up when you got to play in the front yard, didn't you? You got to get on your bikes, and I remember my brother and I, we'd get on our bikes and ride the railroad tracks in the alley all the way down to the end of the street to a little store, grab a box of milk or whatever mom needed for dinner and ride it home, and no one ever worried about a thing. But as a father raising three kids in this generation, my daughters very rarely ever saw the front yard. It was the backyard, or it was the house, or it was somewhere where we were right there. Evil exists, doesn't it? Research conducted by the Centers of Disease Control estimates that approximately one in six boys and one in four girls are sexually abused before the age of 18. Some people say that as parents we can be overprotective. I don't think so. I don't think so. And once our children reach a certain age, once they, the daughters got a little older, I didn't worry so much about some stranger coming along. I worried about the boys that were going to date them, and so I began buying firearms. Because evil exists. And the future doesn't seem to be much brighter when we really look at the way things are going, does it? In fact, in Scripture, this is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, he says... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from, a ch- how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul told Timothy, listen, Timothy, things are going to get bad. They're going to get worse and worse. But here's what you do. You hold firm to what you have heard from me. You hold firm to the scriptures. You hold firm to Jesus Christ, and you will be okay. And that advice is good for us, too. That no matter how bad this world gets, we hold on to Jesus Christ. We hold on to our relationship with him. We hold on to our faith. Where does this evil come from? That's the big question. How do people, how does this come into this world? And and here's what Christ said in Mark 7, verse 20. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. And he says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So when we talk about evil in this world and we wonder, where did it come from? Why, why is it here? And Jesus was very simple. It comes out of the heart of man. It just simply comes from the heart of man. Bertrand Russell, who was by no means a Christian, but a philosopher, a British philosopher, said this, it is in our hearts that the evil lies. And it is from our hearts that it must be plucked out. It comes from man. It comes from within our hearts. Albert Einstein who we say is such a smart man, and in this statement he was, he said, it is easier to denature plutonium than to denature the evil spirit of man. It's just there. It is in us. But why would God create man with the ability to do evil? Isn't that the question we often ask? I mean, why then did God create us if he knew that we were going to sin? If he knew that, that we had this evil ability within us, why would he create us? And of course, we believe in the free will of man. And part of God's creative process and part of His sovereignty, He created us with a free will. And Adam and Eve chose to sin and and we choose to sin, but their sin was passed down on all of us and we still have that free will. Why would God do that? Not that we could ever fully comprehend the mind of God. I don't know that we could ever give a complete answer to that. Isaiah says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's probably impossible for us to completely understand what God has created here below. Romans 11 says this, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable are His ways. We may not have all the answers. The evangelist Billy Graham gives this explanation for the evil in man. He says, If God were to remove all evil from our world, but somehow leave human beings on the planet, it would mean that the essence of humanness would be destroyed. We would become robots. He goes on, Let me explain what I mean by this. If God eliminated evil by programming us to perform good acts only, we would lose this distinguishing mark, the ability to make choices. We would no longer be free moral agents. We would be reduced to the status of robots. Let's take a step further, he says. Robots do not love. God created us with the capacity to love. Love is based upon one's right to choose to love. We cannot face others, force others to love us. We can make them, we can make them serve us or obey us. But true love is founded upon one's freedom to choose to respond. We have evil in the world because of this choice, and we make bad choices. It is in us. And what good purposes could come from evil? Then why does God even let it exist? Have you ever wondered at some of the evil things we see? Why does God let that happen? Why? Greg Boyd said this, God doesn't cause messes for a purpose. He brings purposes to the messes. And I like that. There are those that believe, actually, that that God ordains everything, that God orders everything. There are those in in evangelical circles that will tell you that that the evil we see all around us is all God's plan, that that's His design, that that's what He wants. And and I find that very difficult to believe, and, and I think it's contrary to Scripture. The New Testament says, God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth He any man. But instead, I believe that Greg Boyd has stated pretty accurately the way things are. 
God doesn't cause messes for a purpose, but he can certainly bring purposes to the messes. Some of the purposes for evil may be this. It gives us an opportunity to bring glory to God. When we look at the bad events, the things that happen in this world, the catastrophes, it's always amazing to see how Christians come together and begin to raise resources and help people. And in honor of God, we give glory to God. Just a few years ago, they had the tornado sweep through Oklahoma, and, and our church alone raised a good sum of money and sent off. And, and it happened all over the country as Christians got together and they did something good. And it gives us a chance to glorify God. There'll be times when bad things happen in our church or in the lives of people in our church. And that gives every one of us, as much as we hate the evil and hate the suffering and hate the things that we see people go through, it gives us all an opportunity to serve and to glorify God in doing so. We learn to depend on God completely in times of evil, in times of trial. We're provided opportunities to shine as lights. The darker this world is, the brighter our lights can shine for Christ. And we grow stronger in our faith. But most importantly, God has not left us here in this world without understanding exactly what our struggles are. God knows what evil we face God knows what struggles we face because he faced them all too. He sent Jesus to this earth. Dorothy Sayers wrote this in 1949. She says, For whatever reason, God chose to make man as he is, limited and suffering and subject to sorrows and death. He had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. Whatever game he is playing with his creation, he has kept his own rules and played fair. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. When he was a man, he played the man. He was born in poverty and he died in disgrace and thought it well worthwhile. Jesus Christ knows what we suffer. Jesus is our great high priest. According to Hebrews, the author says, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And he says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So even though we see evil here, even though we experience suffering here, we must understand that we have a Savior. We have a great high priest who knows exactly what our struggles are because he experienced them firsthand. And we are told that because of that, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in times of need. So what do we do when we see these evil events? We fall on our knees and call out to God to give us strength to carry on. We call out to God to give us mercy, to give us grace that is sufficient to meet our needs. God will be there for us. So what are we to do with evil? What are we to do with evil? Romans 12 and 21 is really where I want to direct your attention this morning. A short verse, but a powerful verse. Romans 12, 21 says this, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And I'll be honest, this last week, as I watched those clips and, and saw those still images, it was overwhelming. I mean, it was something that I thought about all through the day. As I went to bed at night, those images were on my mind, and it, it brought about feelings of anger. I mean, I'm becoming an old man, but I was ready to join the military and sign up, send me over. It was a, just evil that caused a stirring in our souls. But he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There is evil all around us, but God is good. God is always good. And we overcome evil with good. Jay Adams, the Christian counselor, said, Evil is powerful, but good is more powerful. In fact, evil is so powerful that only good has the power to overcome evil. Darkness can be driven away only by light. And so we know that we are told to overcome evil, and we know that the only way to overcome that evil is by good. By good. We're not to be overcome with evil. We're not to be overwhelmed by it. We're not to be overtaken by it. We're not to be overcome by it. Because the scripture tells us, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We're to be victorious over the evil in this world. So how do we go about overcoming evil? Two of my favorite quotes regarding evil come from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Edmund Burke. Bonhoeffer said this, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And so we have a responsibility to speak up when evil is done. To speak the truth. To speak for what is right. To speak up for those who need someone to speak for them. Edmund Burke said, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And so when we look in the world around us and we see evil and it seems that it is advancing on all corners, the surest way that that evil will succeed is for good men to say nothing and do nothing. We must do something. Let me give you this morning some things to help us kind of process evil as we see it in this world. Some things that will help us to overcome evil. And the first one is this. Guard your heart against evil. Guard your heart against evil. Proverbs 4 and 23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Our hearts are tender. Our hearts are impressionable. We have a responsibility as believers in Christ to guard or protect our hearts because out of these hearts come everything. If our heart is infected with evil, it will infect our whole lives with evil. If our heart is infected with bitterness, our whole life will be a result of that bitterness. If our heart is infected with whatever it is, it'll spring out into every area of our life. It's amazing how we think we can separate certain feelings and certain emotions and we can just go on about our lives. But what the proverb is telling us is that if something gets in our heart, it will affect all the issues of our life. You ever had a problem at home and gone to work and found out you couldn't concentrate while you were there? Ever had a problem at work and gone home and found out you couldn't concentrate at home because of the evil that was there? It affects every area of our life. Or you had a problem. This is the devil is great at this kind of thing. He'll stir up a problem in your life right before church on a Sunday morning. Isn't that amazing? A lot of couples can get along Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's Sunday morning they have their fights. And they go to church, and it affects their worship, doesn't it? 
Unless they're good fakers. Then they put the smile on as soon as they hop out of the car. and Hey, how you doing? And then when they get in the car to go home, they're back to it, you know. <laughs> Guard your heart. Remember, Jesus said that evil proceeds from the heart of a man. Keep your heart right with God. And maybe the big question this morning, is your heart right with God? Because we live in a world filled with evil and wickedness and sin. And the only way we'll overcome it is by starting by making sure our hearts are right with God. Secondly, to overcome evil, we need to despise evil and hold on to goodness. There's this balance that has to occur. We have to hate and love at the same time. We have to despise evil, hate evil, but love good. And sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Sometimes evil occurs and we get so wrapped up in hating it that it just messes up our entire world. It's in us. We have that choice to make. Despise evil and hold to good. Romans 12 and 9 says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Listen, even though this world is filled with evil, it's not all evil. Even though we see evil in the news, and sometimes from watching the news, you would think it was all evil, but it's not. There are some wonderful things that God puts in our path every day. There are some evil people in this world, but not all people are evil. And if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to fall into this pit of not trusting anybody. And we even go into our churches with walls up and, I'm not going to trust anybody because they're going to hurt me. We are losing the battle then. Hate evil, but hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to what is good. James 4 said this, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hold to what is good. Hate that which is evil. Resist the devil. Hold to God. The old hymn said, hold to God's unchanging hand. And sometimes in the midst of darkness, that is the song that comes to my mind. Time is filled with swift transitions. But hold to God's unchanging hand. A more modern author wrote these words. Crowder said, I am holding on to you. In the middle of the storm, I am holding on to you. But the idea is very similar, isn't it? Hold on to God in the midst of evil. Third, don't become what you despise. It's very easy for us to despise evil and yet become that very thing. You ever had someone give you a dirty look and you gave them one back? You ever had something say something rude to you? So you one-upped them and said something rude right back? What have we done? We've stooped to that level, haven't we? We've become them. We've become the very thing we despise. And we struggle with this, don't we? Pastoral confession here. The other day someone was tailgating me. I was getting upset. I pulled over and I tailgated them the rest of the way home. I became the very person I despise. Don't become what you despise. Don't let evil infect you to the point that it changes your behavior. Don't let it change the way you live your life. Don't let evil change us. 
Romans 12 and 2 said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may, by testing, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Do you catch that? He says, Don't be conformed to this world. And it is so easy for us in this wicked world that we live in to begin to be shaped by that world, to begin to do things differently. To begin to use that excuse, everyone else does it, so I might as well too. And we become what we despise. Romans twelve seventeen says this, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Don't become what you despise. If someone does evil to you, don't repay them with evil, but rather think about what's going to bring honor to everyone. What is going to look acceptable to everyone? Fourth, don't waste time fretting over evil. Don't waste time fretting over evil. Again, we see things and sometimes it is hard to stop thinking about them. And that's not unnatural. We have a tendency to do that. Listen to what David said in Psalms 37. He said, fret not yourself because of evil doers. Don't Stress about it. Don't worry about it. Don't spend all your time thinking about it. Don't fret about evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Don't fret about evildoers. Trust God and do good. And then Proverbs 24 says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. If you were to ask what's going to happen to ISIS after they've done these terrible deeds, I think Scripture is clear. They have no future. They have no future. The evil man has no future, he says. They'll be destroyed because there's a God who is just and there's a God who is victorious over all. But I love these two passages, scriptures in particular, because Psalms was written by King David. And he said, fret not yourself because of evildoers. And he said to do good. And the second passage is in Proverbs, and it was written by David's son, Solomon. And Solomon said, fret not yourself because of evildoers. The evil man has no future. The son absorbed this from his father, and he wrote them down for another generation. Parents, we need to teach our children, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We need to be more like David and leave such an impact on our children that long after we're gone, they have the same philosophy regarding evil. Don't be overcome with it. Overcome evil with good. Finally this morning, God has invited you and I to be a part of a kingdom that is unshakable. Regardless of what goes on around us in this world, we have an invitation to something greater. Something out of this world. Hebrews says, Therefore, let us be grateful 
for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship and reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. There's something beyond this place. God has invited us to be a part of a kingdom of a world that is unshakable. It's coming, folks. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Thank God for that. The ultimate victory over evil will come, won't it? John said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And then he says this, and he, he really talks about the extinction of evil and suffering in this world. He says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have been passed away. Listen, God is going to give us the ultimate victory. One day there'll be no tears, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no sickness, there'll be no goodbyes, there'll be no terrorists, there'll be no murderers, there'll be no molesters, there'll be none of this. All things will be made new. But until then, until Christ returns, or until he takes us home, you and I have this strict command, don't be overcome with evil, overcome evil with good. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your grace, your mercy. I thank you for holding us up when it feels like we can't go on. Lord, I thank you that despite the wickedness all around us in this world, you are good. Lord, when you created this earth, at the end of creation, you saw everything and you said it was good. But our sin, God, man's sin, brought this evil into the world. And Lord, all of nature groans, longing for the day when you bring redemption. Lord, I pray that you'd give us victory over evil. Help us, Lord, to overcome it with good. Let us live out our lives in such a way that the good outshines the darkness. In Jesus' name. We-